Welcome to the latest episode of Shooting the Breeze. Joining us today is New Flame signing Nat Burton. Nat, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Glad to have you here, Nat. Obviously, this has been a very, very compressed pre-season. But before we get into some discussions about this season, I'd like to, just for the Sydney fans, get a little bit into how you got into basketball, your early career, and more importantly, what was the catalyst for you to to take up basketball as a career? Yeah, I was always really into sports as a kid. My parents always pushed that for me and my sisters, and so I kind of just grew up expecting to be playing some sort of sport my whole life or being active at least. And I was very tall as a kid and still am quite tall. So my mum put me into both netball and basketball and I played both for a while, but then came the time where I had to choose which one I wanted to do. And I chose basketball. It was an easy decision from memory, a bit more exciting for me than netball. So I headed into the basketball pathways, not really you know, having the the end goal of wanting to play professionally or even have it as a career because it wasn't, I didn't see female athletes playing basketball full time. It wasn't around me. I wasn't brought up in a basketball family. And back in those days, it wasn't really on TV that much on the odd occasion it was. So I didn't really see that as a an option for me. I was just playing because I loved to play and I had friends playing. and And then I kind of got the drive to just push myself. I just wanted to see how good I could be at whatever level I was playing, whether it was under 14s or trying to make a state team and and going up from there. And it kind of naturally progressed up through the ranks until I realized that I could actually earn some money playing basketball and uh, make it a career and play for Australia. So in my mind, it was quite an organic and a natural progress up to the levels um, that I'm at now. But yeah, I never really had that end goal. Okay, that's interesting. Obviously, Australia's got a lot of pathways into basketball, and you chose to go the US college pathway, going to West Virginia University, which is a Div 1 school. How did you find that experience, and did you visit the school before you actually committed to them? I was talent scouted at a national championship, so I was under 18s it was, and they just said that there could be some colleges interested in you. And I, again, hadn't thought that that was an option for me. It tickled my brain. I was like, oh, that's an opportunity that's kind of cool. And I don't like to say no to things just because it was an unknown or I was a bit scared of it. So um, recruiting process started and it was just phone conversations then with the coaches. And I never got to visit. I um, Googled Morgantown, West Virginia. They had a Walmart, and so I decided to go there, <laughs> which is extremely crazy <laughs> looking back at it now. Like again, I just knew because I hadn't been to the AIS, I hadn't, I didn't have that extra development, and I wanted to make a WNBL team. I decided that I wanted to take the next step, and I knew that in WA, if I wanted to do that, then I wasn't going to get the training I needed there because there was the state league, the SBL, and then there was just a a cutoff between that and WNBL. So the opportunity came up and I thought, okay, I'm going to give it a go and and see again how far I can push myself at the next level. And so that was my motivation for going over there. And the experience was, it did make me into the player I am today. It taught me a lot of things in basketball and a lot about myself and how to push through hard times because it is hard over there leaving a family and starting fresh in a new country not to mention the insane amount of trainings you do and the toll your body takes. But at the same time, it was an amazing experience because I got to meet amazing friends and have really good college life over there. So 
I would always do it again, but it definitely came with its challenges. We've spoken to a few other players who've done the college thing, and mm. we're batting a 1,000 so far because all three of you, none of you have actually gone and visited the college beforehand. Vanessa Panousis and Funda had never visited mm-hmm. their colleges, so you're the third. How did you find Morgantown? And obviously, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's like it's in a heavily wooded area of West Virginia. <laughs> How did you find rolling into Morgantown from Perth, because they are very different cities as well. So how was that? The, yeah, very different. But um, my mum is was born in England and so had always had family there. So I'd done a lot of travelling. The surrounding wasn't, like, that wasn't a big thing for me. I was like, okay, new place, new experience. That's cool. The biggest thing for me was just being thrown into an unknown because Unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of information. A a lot of players were going to Europe, but no one was really talking about what to expect and what your daily life would be over there. And I found that through the recruiting process, I only got told what, like the good things. They really sugarcoated it. And it happens to everyone. Um, It's still happening these days. And even if you go on a visit and you see the place and you get a feel for the place, you're still only seeing the best parts because having been there, I've seen what happens on a recruiting visit and and we're told to, you know, say the good things and and you get shown like the practice facility and all the cool parts of the college. But until you're living in that situation, you have no idea what it's going to be for you, uh, what it's going to be like. So I still, I recommend people going to visit and it's interesting that you've come across a lot of people that haven't visited, but yeah, no matter what, it's going to be a a different experience and a bit of a challenge to adapt to that new environment. Yeah, I'm sure it would have been, particularly, I was doing a little bit of research on Morgantown. In comparison to Perth, it's a very small city. Tiny, yeah. How did you find that sort of shift between Perth, which is, you know, let's be honest, it's a fairly spread out sort of city, to Morgantown, which is really quite compact? Yeah, it um, Morgantown's a college town, so it was just full of students. So I think that social aspect was... It was nice to be for it to be so small because you knew everyone. And then we also didn't really have time to do anything other than school and practice. But I was also lucky in that I, I made a lot of friends out of basketball and every like time I had some off time or holidays or whatever, I would I was invited home to various friends' houses all around America. So I got to get out a bit and, and have that, you know, that experience away from that small town and also get to see and explore a lot of America. So I think that really helped me as well with that. And out of all those trips in America, what was your favourite place? Oh, uh, <laughs> there was a lot of cool places. I really liked uh, I like California. I like the feel of it. I also, not the most amazing place, but I spent a lot of time in New Jersey because one of my really good friends is from there. And it was just so different to everything I had experienced. New Jersey, you know, they've got the beaches, which aren't real beaches compared to here, and then the Jersey Shore, and then you go in and then there's the cornfields and it's real country life, and then there's the Amish villages. So it was really, yeah, I, I just loved seeing these new places and new things and things that normally we'd only see on the movies, but I got to, like, actually physically live those experiences. So that was cool. That would have been really cool to just see the variety across the United States. It's a very different place from state to state, even within states. Now, around 2013 through to 2015, you got a lot of medals from tournaments, gold, bronze. What were those experiences like, not only winning the medals, but also the tournaments and tournament experience for you? 
Yeah, that a lot of that was through the Opals and the and the World Uni Games. Those experiences came. They were my first taste because, like I said, I hadn't been involved in any junior Australian national teams. So they were all really new for me. But I think my time away at college helped me adapt because I already knew that I like going to a new place and having to quickly adapt and, and being in an environment where you're not always comfortable, where you don't have your routines or it's not home. So those tournament type styles, I found myself enjoying in that it was it was hard and it was um, a toll on your body all the time, all those tours and um, just trying to get up for a game even though you're exhausted because you're not in a country that you're familiar with and you haven't been able to eat the food that you normally eat to get um, enough energy for a game. So I found those times able to draw on my past experience and get through it with that and playing games and just finding a way to push through and being surrounded by similar-minded people with the national team and everyone was just doing what they had to do out there to compete and ending up and coming away with some amazing experiences and some medals. And that, to me, those times are some of the most important times of my basketball career. Do you think that sort of tournament experience, you know, a lot of games, short period of time, that experience is going to be helpful for players, particularly in this season, given how short it is? Yeah, for sure. I think this hub is going to be a, it's just, it's a four week plus one tournament. And usually your tournaments are two weeks, two to three weeks. So it's a little bit longer than normal. But I think the players that have experienced those, there's a lot of players that have had that experience can draw on those times and I think it's going to be a mental game because there's going to be days where we're exhausted and we've played so many games in a a short amount of time and somehow we've got to find that that drive and that motivation to get up and get ready for the next game and I think that that experience that those players have is going to be probably a big difference maker in the teams. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how all the various teams react to the schedules because also, it's going to depend on how the games are loaded, whether they're towards the front of the season or the back of the season, the number of games that each team will be playing. But mm-hmm. let's let's try and get away from basketball for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about you and like. let's start off with what did you study when you were at university? I studied finance at college. I had done a year of physio in Perth before I went, decided to go to college and then ended up... <laughs> doing something completely different uh, with finance. Um, And I did that because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I knew that if I had a business degree, that that would help me in a lot of different potential careers. And I came home and I did some financial planning and started that study, but realized that that wasn't for me either. It's really interesting that there seems to be a split between a sports-related study and business finance-related study. There seem to be the two core areas that the players study. What was it about finance that interested you apart from just the general business knowledge? Was there anything specific about it? Not particularly, no. It was more a way to keep my options open and it came from a place where I had no idea what I wanted to do on the side of basketball or after basketball. My mum was always very much pushing the education side. She always encouraged me to pursue basketball as a career, but she knew, and I'm glad I listened, that basketball can't be forever and that I would need something to support me, especially as a female athlete. So I I can tell you right now, I'm not passionate about finance. It took me a long time to find what I'm passionate about other than basketball, but I'm glad I have that degree because it helps me in my own business now and also just gives me an extra, like I understand how money works and, and things like that. 
you mentioned that you've started your own business. Let's talk about that a little bit. What's the business that you've started and how long ago did you start it and how's it all going? Yeah, so it's a little baby because I only started it a few months ago. I actually started in about March when we went into lockdown. Just have been writing a lot and doing a lot of journaling and research of my own into athlete mindset and how important it is. And I knew that just from my own experiences, how much the mind can affect our performance. And I knew that there were things out there that could help me personally. And when I figured those out, which I'm still figuring out because we never stop learning and going through experiences, I realized that I wanted to share this with other young athletes because I knew from my experiences how much I had struggled with confidence and and just trying to feel happy with what I was doing. I, I really just came from a passion of wanting to share that with others. So I started up some mentoring. So I now do some group sessions, group education sessions, taking young athletes through mostly around the college area about information they need to get to college. And then I do a lot of individual mentoring. So taking an athlete one-on-one, we meet every week and I just guide them along their own journey using my own stories to help them where I can. It's still evolving. So I'm looking at I'm creating some more programs to take groups through when I get home. And it's yeah changing every day, but I have finally found something I'm passionate about. So I love it. That's fantastic. Mm. You just mentioned that you struggled with confidence. Now, was there any one particular thing that you see as a, a root cause for that occurring for you or was it more a general thing? It was something that I spent a lot of time comparing myself to other people and I never felt that I was living up to others' expectations without realizing that those expectations, I had projected them onto other people. So I never felt good enough where I was at because I looked around me and I, I thought I saw athletes who were extremely confident in themselves and the way they played. And I compared myself to them and I thought, I don't feel like that. I can't do those things or I didn't feel confident to do those things. And so I thought I had a weak mindset because of that. And then it was over a period of time I began to realize that everyone had their own struggles and everyone does struggle with confidence and and feeling inadequate and everyone feels a bit exposed when they make a mistake and it's okay and that's normal. And then there, there are tools to help with that and different ways of thinking, different focuses and mindsets. And it doesn't mean that you're weak. It's just a part of being a human, I think. And I, I didn't realize that. But yeah, I somehow was always just pushing through and I didn't want to let the fear of making a mistake be the reason that I didn't ever play basketball. So I was never going to quit just because I didn't feel good or feel confident. So I think I say I struggled with confidence. I was just always trying to to figure it out along the way. Yeah. Do you think that that's common not only to sports people but to any type of high-performing team, whether it be in in business, commerce, government, whatever, that self-doubt that creeps in because there's an expectation to have to perform at such a high level? Mm, I think not even just teams. I think every single per every human struggles with that self doubt, and it's whether they, when you listen to it and you believe it about yourself, um, then it starts affecting your decisions, and then we start playing small. So I see basketball as a metaphor for life, and all sport is. Out on the court, I, let's say I'd be afraid to make a mistake, so I pass the ball instead of maybe driving and attacking the basket. And so I played small, and I was scared, and I hid, and I didn't, I wasn't vulnerable. 
And the same can be said when out in the real world and maybe scared to go for a job promotion because we don't believe we're good enough. So we sit back and we let that opportunity pass us by, even though it's something that we really wanted because just purely because we, we believed we weren't, we weren't good enough or we weren't going to be able to live up to the other people's expectations. That's what I love about sport is you can learn to fight through situations like that and figure out ways to push past those self-doubts on the court and then realize that it can apply to every other area of your life and that is that's gold that's what I try to help the young athletes see is that you might not become a professional basketball player you might not be the best player in the world but no matter what you'll be able to take something away from sport and apply it to every other area of your life I find that a really interesting perspective because I've been involved in business over a number of years and quite often I see you know businesses try to emulate sports teams to try and get their own internal teams to operate at a higher level. Mm. Do you think that the sort of mentoring that you're providing to younger players would also translate to the business world? Yeah, I really do. And that's a, a vision of that I'm heading down is right now it's I target young athletes because that's my experience. But I know that as it evolves, it's something that definitely, like I said, applies to all areas of life, so is invaluable for for businesses and just for anyone, any person, any human who who wants to start living their life based off of what they want instead of worrying about what other people think of them. So I think there's a lot of potential there. I also wonder if you get those expectations of, the, of people that are looking at you projected on you. Do you think yeah. that's, that's, a real, that's a real impact? Yeah, for sure. I think we're our own worst enemies and we – we, everyone assumes too much and our imaginations one, run wild, don't they? Because we think, oh, that person must think this about me and, and we make our decisions based off of that when in actual fact that person probably hasn't even noticed you or is too caught up in their own head. And when we realise that, I think it's quite liberating. It's not easy to start just going out and being who you want to be and, and doing what you want to do without worrying about what other people think. Because the more people I talk to, the more, you know, it's everywhere that – Everyone's just worried about what other people think of them. But at the end of the day, again, worried about what they think of them more than what we're thinking of other people. So, yeah. So do you think that social media is also amplifying this, especially on players? Because, you know, you're getting that instant feedback from the armchair critics. Yeah, that's a dangerous path to go down when we start listening to people who aren't in our circle who aren't in a basketball sense, you know, I, I did it myself and that contributed a lot to my lack of self-confidence was that I listened to people that confirmed my self-belief of not being good enough. And those people, you know, social media, people I've never met, also projections of my own thoughts and feelings on others. They're not in the arena and that's why, um, I don't know if you know Brene Brown, but her books are just they're amazing about um, how to be vulnerable and the importance of it and and only listening to feedback from people who are in the arena with you, so your coaches and your teammates who are with you every day at training and seeing the, the blood, sweat and tears that you put in. They're the only people you should listen to because they're the only ones that are, are in the arena with you. Everyone else is just yeah, but sitting behind keyboards typing what they want to type without understanding that everyone's a human and everyone has feelings and, and people are listening and it's affecting them. Coming off of that, I'd like to touch on the 2016 Rio Olympics 
because there was obviously an incredibly high expectation on the team for those games. Uh-huh. You're basically up against the top teams in the world and pretty much anybody can win on any given night. But I think mm-hmm. the expectation on the team added another level of pressure that probably was pushing it a bit too hard for you as players and also for the, the coaching staff as well. Yeah, I didn't really um, feel the pressure, the expectation like during the, the games, leading up to the games. We were there. We'd worked incredibly hard to get there for four years that I'd been involved and the coaches had been involved and that, that squad had been involved incredibly hard. And we had great success at the World Champs coming away with a bronze with a team that probably shouldn't have done that well when you look at if we're looking at just you know names on a sheet and then for Rio it was it was similar we we were all together again and we had some great talent and we were going out working hard in each game and each game was a battle and I still have memories of like being at halftime and it was such a close game for some of them and thinking we've just got to pull this out somehow and and get that win and we ended up doing that so many times and then we did fall short we fell short to a team that we could have beaten, but like you said, it's <laughs> you're playing against the best players in the world. Anything can happen on any night. But it was the the backlash after that was when I felt the pressure, and that was when I think everyone kind of realised we felt incredibly bad. We felt like we had let down a lot. Well, I, I guess I can only speak for myself, but I felt like like I let down the the legacy of the Opals and. Um, had fallen short of a dream that I'd wanted and the whole team had wanted. And then it was hard to hear a lot of the critics after that and a lot of the things that they had to say. That was the only point that I felt that pressure. I think before the games I had blocked everything out. I don't know what the media was saying and it wouldn't have been healthy for us to listen to that. But it's a shame that that happened, but I, I fought to not let that take away from my the experience because – um, of all, like I said, the hard work that went into it and the whole experience of being an Olympian and getting to go to the Olympics is something that we'll never be able to take away from. No, I think my opinion is that it was unfair because anything can happen. And we've seen it so many times, not just at Olympics, but all major tournaments. I think that part of this comes from the fact that lots of people want to project their wishes onto you which is understandable, but then the backlash, I think, kind of goes too far because of whatever level of disappointment that they're feeling. Yeah, and I think it has the potential to take away. Like, it's sport. <laughs> that's the whole – that's kind of the beauty of it, isn't it, that you don't know who's going to win and you might think you you know who's supposed to win and everyone has their opinion, even the general public, but it kind of ties back in with – what I was saying earlier about Brené Brown's work is that that general public's not in the arena with us. They don't know what our game plan was. They don't know what the coaches were saying, what we were doing, the, the hard work we'd put in. And I think, yeah, we can buy into that and listen to it. And I did listen to it for a while, for a couple of years. It really affected me uh, as a player and as a person. I listened to that and it did take away from my experience. I felt incredibly awkward talking to people about my experience especially as a lot of people like oh you're an Olympian like that must have been amazing and and it's hard for you to stand there and say yeah it it was amazing when you don't feel that because of that disappointment and that backlash that the general public had but yeah at the end of the day it's sport there's a winner there's losers there's you got to deal with failure 
Um, and if you can deal with that and realize that you're still okay as a person and that it doesn't change who you are, it doesn't affect you, it's just a, a game and it's just sport, then then I think that's how I know I've made some growth. You know, that experience is probably going to help with the upcoming season and the hub, and I'd like to talk about the whole upcoming season now. We've said before it is, it's four-plus finals. What other challenges, apart from the physical challenge, do you think that the hub and the hub structure is going to place on all the players in the league that are going into it? I think that there's going to be a lot of mental challenges, just staying staying in a structure mentally. So it's going to be really easy for people to get caught up in their performance on the court and, and that's going to seep into other areas of their lives. So normally the thing I love or the thing that I've figured out that I need in a season is to have a balance. So basketball but something on the side, an escape. Because when it's only basketball, if that's all you have and you're not performing that great, then it, it's so easy for it to seep into how you feel as a person, which is not good because it's sport and it's a game and it shouldn't affect how we picture ourselves or how we view ourselves. So I think that's the challenge for a lot of people is going to be we're in this environment where all we have is basketball and all we have are the same teammates every day for four weeks plus finals. It's going to be important that everyone finds their alone time, um, those that need it, to get away, to mindfully step away from the game for a little bit um, so that when we come back together and the quick turnarounds, it's uh, with a refreshed mindset and uh, not feeling too down and not getting down on our teammates and those around us. I suppose that also means trying to just get out and away from the hub and sort of visiting whatever you can within the within the structure of the rules that the league has placed on you? Yeah, and, and having time where we can play some card games with our teammates, where we can not talk about basketball. That's going to be, you know, it's always about balance and balance is going to be hard come by in the hub. So we've got to find those opportunities where possible and within the guidelines, yes, as well. It'd be nice to see a bit of Queensland, but I'm not sure what we'll be allowed to do. <laughs> okay, now I want to end this on a completely unscripted question. Who is the fictional character, book, movie, doesn't matter, that you most associate yourself with? <laughs> Way to throw that one on me. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to end it on a light note. Um, That's really tough, but I'm going to be the nerd that I am. And I don't think a lot of people are going to know who this is, but it's a character from a book called Assassin's Apprentice. Uh, it's a series. It's obviously fantasy, yeah. but it's. I just love it, and I associate with that character because, as all books, it's like the journey of personal growth. So starting off, it's called the hero's journey. Starting off as an unknown, just someone that's struggling, but finding this character finds his way uh, through daily struggles, life life challenges, and and comes into greatness. But the greatness isn't necessarily. Uh, money or titles. The greatness is just growth as a person and finding out who he truly is and what he's passionate about and what he wants in life. And I just identify with that because I think I've loved basketball and I do, I, I love basketball still. I found that again and that's why I'm still playing. But there have been times where I've 
questioned whether I should be playing because I was struggling so much and, and wasn't happy because basketball was my focus and I didn't have that balance and, and I was struggling with the confidence. But now I've through all those all my teams, all my challenges, all my experiences playing overseas, playing in tournaments, representing Australia, I've learnt so much about who I am and and what I'm passionate about and what I really want to do in life and, and what exactly I love about basketball that keeps me playing and so I feel like I'm there now and just trying to bring that to this season and enjoy playing while I still can and, yeah, make the most of it. That's great. And, Nat, I can tell you as a long-term fan of the Flames, we're glad to have you on the team. We're really looking forward to seeing you out on the court up in the hub. Nat Burton, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. It was great.